Well, good morning, church. You know, I, <laughs> I like to say I like to say that uh, good morning, church. And what you guys probably don't realize, but when I say that, I'm actually making a declaration. Ecclesia, you guys are the called out. And one of these days, we're going to get a revelation of what that means to be. Awesome. Anyway. So open your Bibles to John chapter 21. John chapter 21, the last chapter in the Gospel of John. While you're turning there, and if you don't have your Bible, I'm going to read what we need out of the, the Word of the Lord. While you're turning there, go ahead and throw that picture up. <clears throat> All right. So there is a picture of me and my mom. And I guess I really like this picture. I really love it. I, I actually I look at it a lot um, because when I look at me, I see the level of honoriness that exists. And then when I look at my mom, I just see somebody that's just so full of life. And, and I want to tell a story on myself that, you know, about maybe, maybe a year or two after this picture is taken, I have a trike, a trike. And it's an awesome trike. I've got streamers that come out of the handlebars. And I don't have, like, the regular fender. No, I have the fender that covers the spokes. Oh, yeah. It's awesome. It's awesome. And I am the Tony Hawk of trikes, no doubt. And I, we'll get together later, and I'll tell you some of my trike Tony Hawk stories, guys. Anyway, so I get on my trike, I'm a little guy, and we live in Las Cruces, New Mexico. And I get on my trike, and I head downtown. And I'm little. And so I go all the way to downtown Las Cruces, New Mexico. I don't know. It's a long ways. I don't tell anybody I'm going. I'm just going. Trike, screamers, awesomeness. And um, so I get down there, and a police cruiser goes by. And they see this little guy on his trike by himself. And he stops, and he says, hey, little man, you know where you're going or where you are? And I, no. So he gets out, and he Picks, me, picks up my trike, and he puts it in the trunk of his police cruiser, and he puts me in the front seat, and off we go. We go back up into the neighborhoods there in Las Cruces, and we're driving around, and he's saying, hey, if you see your house, tell me, and I'll stop. But I'm a lot more interested in, man, he's got like a radio, and he's got a gun, and he's actually turning on the lights and the siren. So we're driving by my house. And I see my house, but I am having too much fun. And we drive by, and we drive by, and we drive by again. And the the police officer, he's getting exasperated. Now we're at the point he says, hey, Greg, whatever he called me, little man, I'm going to have to take you to the station. And I'm like, so we go by the house one more time. I said, well, that's my house right there. So he stops. My mom comes running out, you know, where have you been? Man, I am having fun. So, anyway, we'll come back to that a little bit later. Um, so, let's let's go to the Word, John 21. And before I read this, I wanna I wanna back up just a few chapters in the Gospel of John, and I wanna read you one verse that that. A, a prayer, a part of a prayer that Jesus is making to the Father before he goes to the cross, the high priestly prayer. He says, Now, Father, glorify me in your presence with that glory I had with you before the world existed. This is Jesus. Jesus says, Father, glorify me in your presence with that glory that I had with you before the world existed. And let me tell you something, church. Here's something that you need to keep, catch before we, before we go to the story, and we need to keep this in mind anytime that we read about Jesus in the Bible, that Jesus is eternal, and he was with the Father before the world existed. And if you read your Bible in that context, that Jesus is and always has been, that he was with the Father, it'll change everything. 
It'll change everything. And as a church, brothers and sisters, we need to get back to an understanding of who Jesus is. And we need to begin to preach that Jesus, the eternal Jesus. I'm preaching. So here is the eternal Jesus appearing to the disciples in John chapter 21. And it says, After this, Jesus revealed himself again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, which is the Sea of Galilee. So these guys are about 70 miles north of Jerusalem. So why'd they go to Galilee? Well, if we look in, in Matthew 28 and Mark 16, we see Jesus, after he's resurrected, he goes to the Marys. He goes to the Marys and he says, Yo, Marys, tell the disciples that I have risen. Tell them to go to Galilee, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see them up there. Now, I think, personally, that as Peter and the disciples, Peter in particular, go up to the Sea of Tiberias, the 70-mile trek that they make. I think that Peter is walking in a tough place. Yeah, he has seen Jesus a couple of times. But I don't think he still has the full understanding of restoration yet. I think he's probably walking in in a bit of condemnation when he goes up there. So let's go into the Word. Word says, he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel from Cana of Galilee, Zebedee's sons, and two others of his disciples were together. I'm going fishing, Simon Peter said to them. Well, then we're coming with you, they told him. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. When daybreak came, Jesus stood on the shore. However, the disciples did not know it was Jesus. Men! Jesus called to them, you don't have any fish, do you? No, they answered. Now, here's the thing. little sermon within the sermon here. Worth the price of admission right here. Um, some of you are and have been struggling and toiling in your own power. And what happened here is they didn't catch anything, and it caused them to look up and be in a place where they actually could have an encounter with Jesus. And some of you are there today, and some of you need to look up and let Jesus handle it. Amen. Oh, that's good. It's really good. Some good stuff. So Jesus looks out there at the guys in the boat and says, hey, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, he told them, and you'll find some. So they did, and they were unable, listen to this, they were unable to haul it in because of the large number of fish. They were unable to haul it in. Therefore, the disciple, the one Jesus loved, said to Peter, It's the Lord! When Simon Peter heard it, it, that it was the Lord, he tied his outer garment around him, for he was stripped, and plunged into the sea. I love Peter. Man, I love him. But since they were not far from land, about a hundred yards away, the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire there with fish lying on it and bread. And then Jesus turns to Simon Peter and says, Hey, bring some of those fish you just caught, Jesus told them. So Simon Peter got up and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. Here's another point, another point from the... From the word. They're out there in the boat. They can't haul in the net. It's too heavy. But when Jesus commands Simon Peter to go get the fish, he goes over there by himself and hauls the net in. You get that? Do you understand that? When Jesus commands you to do something, he's going to give you the strength to do it. Oh, that's good. That's good. Even though there were so many, the net was not torn. Come and have breakfast, Jesus told them. None of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them. He did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had eaten breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, Simon, son of John, 
you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said to him. You know that I love you. Feed my lambs, he told him. A second time he asked him, Simon, catch this, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, he said to him. You know that I love you. Shepherd my sheep, he told him. He asked him a third time, Simon, son of John, you love me. Peter was grieved that he asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Feed my sheep, Jesus said. I assure you, when you were young, you would tie your belt and walk wherever you wanted. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will tie you and carry you where you don't want to go. He said this to signify what kind of death he would glorify God. After saying this, he told him, that is Peter, follow me. So Peter turned around and saw the disciple Jesus loved, that is John probably, following them. That disciple was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and asked, Lord, who is the one that's going to betray you? John defining that it's himself. When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about him? And Jesus said, if I want him to remain until I come, Jesus answered, what is that to you? As for you, follow me. As for you, follow me. I'm going to pray, if you'll just join me. Lord, I, I thank you for your word. I thank you that, that as I speak the remainder of this message that you gave me to speak, Father, that you will move and illustrate, bring understanding to your people, Lord God. Use me, Lord, in a way that I've never been used before, Lord. I thank you, Lord God, that, that as you pre- prepare the hearts of your people for your restoring work, Lord, that they'll be receptive to everything that you have for them in this place today. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. <clears throat> Pardon me. Okay, Joshua, we can go. Now, I want to look at this picture again. And this is going to be uh, the, the only time that I've ever share, shared this story publicly um, is in the first service. So I'm going to share a story with you that I've only shared one time, and that was just an hour ago. Um, I want to tell you that as I share this story, I have the permission from my earthly father to tell you what I'm going to tell you. Okay, I don't want to be like Ham, the son of Noah in Genesis 9. I'm not uncovering my earthly father. As a matter of fact, I think it's completely the opposite. I think what is happening here is that we're having a Joseph moment, and what the devil meant for harm, God is going to turn around this morning among some of you, and God is going to use it for good. Amen. Amen. So there's no uncovering here, and I do have permission. So we look at this picture now, and I want you to fast forward, if you could. You could see the life in my mom's face. Move forward about 22 years. So now I'm a young man. And several years prior to this, this point, my mom had been struck down with an extremely virulent form of multiple sclerosis. This is some bad, you know, multiple sclerosis. We don't even understand how it works. In her case, she went from being a vibrant young woman to being in a wheelchair in two weeks. I mean, it was like that. It was terrible. And so my dad who's now retired at this point. Um, They moved down to Burnett, Texas, 
And uh, my mom requires quite a bit of care. So she's in a nursing home down there in Burnett. But for whatever reason, and I'm not going to speculate right now, but my, and I, I want to tell you that my dad was a good dad. My dad was a good dad. But at this point, for whatever reason, he could not take care of my mom. He couldn't do it. And he walked away from that responsibility. And I'm not even going to speculate why, and I'm not going to condemn him. It was just where he was. And so he walked away from that responsibility, and the way things were developing, I just couldn't stand the way that she was being taken care of and and the things that she was dealing with in this hour of her need. And so I went down there. I literally went rented a station wagon because that's all I could figure out, and I loaded her in the back of a station wagon in Burnett, Texas, and we drove out across the desert to El Paso, where I lived at the time, and I put her in a nursing home there in El Paso. At least she could be close to me, right? And so for the remainder of her life, which was a number of years, my mom was my responsibility. And during that time... As a young man, now I'm a young man, and I have to tell you that one of the reasons that I have a difficulty even today in making hospital visits, and I do them, and going to nursing homes is because I spent a lot of time in hospitals and nursing homes during this period of time, lots. And my mom would have roommates in the nursing homes, and these roommates, I'd get close to them because I was visiting her all the time, and they would die. And it would break my heart. And then I would see what my mom was going through, I mean, as they treated the bed sores and things like that. And it would just devastate me. And then she would go through bad periods of time, and she would be in the hospital. And I'd go to the hospital with her, and the doctors would say, she's going to die tonight. And I'd hold her hand all night long. And I'd watch that monitor, waiting for the little beep to stop. And so, finally, and in a, in a way that even further brought condemnation into my life, my mom passed away. And she passed away when I wasn't with her. But I found her. So anyway, so we had a service a memorial service to my mom's life. And my dad flew from Atlanta, where he was now living, to the memorial service and attended the memorial service. And brothers and sisters, I'm here to tell you right now that it was all I could do to to be in that room with him. Because what happened was I took up not only the offense of my mom because I felt like She had been treated wrong. But you know what? I was not, as a young man, supposed to be in the position that I had been placed in. I didn't want to see the things that I saw, and I didn't want to deal with the things that I dealt with. And I didn't want to think about the fact that, boy, I could have done things a lot better in regards to taking care of my mom. And I had that condemnation on me. And I wish that I had to do it over again. I mean, I wish I could do it over again. Oh, I sure would do it different. It's not possible, right? <clears throat> so after that memorial service for my mom, that was it. I cut off all contact with my dad. And I walked in that for a couple of decades, actually. A couple of decades. Man, I am not going to be like my father. I'm not going to deal with him. And then I began to really pursue God, really walk with God. 
want everything, wanted everything that God had for me. And so the Holy Spirit began to work in my life and began to slowly began to soften my heart. And, and I've got a good wife, and, and she would very gently, she would, she would just come beside me and she said, well, what about your dad? What about that commandment that says that, hey, you're supposed to honor your father? And I would like, yeah. She wasn't bringing condemnation. She was just reminding me she was doing what a godly wife is supposed to do. Praise God. And so slowly, God began to soften my heart. And so finally I got to the point where I could call my dad. I called him. And over the course of actually several years, I received him into my home. I went to visit him. And uh, we now have a reconciled relationship with each other. Praise God. And I want to, yes, praise God. So that's really what I want to talk about today in the context of this passage that we read in John 21. I want to talk about the fact that we can see a parallel between what Jesus is doing as, as he restores a relationship with Peter and what Jesus can do in our own lives. And so the title of this message today is, Jesus is the Restorer of Right Relationships. Jesus is the Restorer of Right Relationships. 1 Peter 2 says that for this you for you were called to this because Christ also suffered for you leaving you an example so that you should follow in his steps. So Jesus is our example we should follow in his steps. Philippians 2 says make your own attitude that of Christ Jesus. So I want to have that mind that is in Christ Jesus and through those things we can see that this is how we can walk out and walk in a reconciliation that results in the restoration of a right relationship. Now, before I step off into the relational minefield, and this is important, so I want everybody to hear this, okay? Here's the, here's the relational disclaimer right now. Number one, do not try to restore an abusive relationship, okay? There are abusive relationships, and they could be physically abusive or emotionally abusive, and you don't want to try to restore one of those. I'm talking about a right relationship. And young people, if your folks tell you to clean up your room, that's not emotional abuse. (laughs) Just saying. We need to define it. Okay, don't try to restore a relationship that, you know, God may have called you out of something. He may have called you away from an addiction, or he may have called you out of a bad circumstance. And so that's not a relationship that you want to have restored. You don't want to walk back into that because you might be tempted beyond what you're able to bear. Right? So let's just, you know, okay. And then there's one other, and, and there's a lot of qualifiers that I could bring, but here's the thing. When we restore a right relationship, when Jesus restores a right relationship, Sometimes we have to wait for the right timing. So it might require prayer. And generally, the restoration of a right relationship, that prayer is not going to be about, oh, Lord, change that other person because they're no good. No. The prayer is going to be more along the lines, Lord, look into my heart. Change me, Lord. Restore me to a place where I can walk in right relationship with that person. That is a good word. That is a good word. That's the kind of prayer we need. So, here we are. I'm going to go through what I call the, the key P's. The key P's. And I don't know why. I don't know why I picked that, because it's hard to say. (laughs) The key P's in the restoration of a right relationship. And so for 
for, the, for you that might be taking notes about this sermon, now's the time that you're going to start taking notes. And if you don't take notes, you can listen online. The first P, the first P, it's personal. Personal. In the passage, we see that Jesus takes the time to show up. He doesn't whip out his iPhone and send a text message. He doesn't log on to Facebook and say, hey, yo, we good? He doesn't pick up the phone and dial Peter and say, hey, I hope Peter doesn't answer. I hope Peter doesn't answer. I really want to just leave a message. No. No. He shows up. He goes to where they're at. And it's one-on-one, face-to-face. In the case of my, the restoration of my relationship with my father, yeah, we started by phone, but I had to go there. I had to go there. And where the restoration actually took place, this is awesome, Maybe about the third or fourth, well, maybe the fifth time that, that we're together, together. And so we go over to Atlanta, and we're going to go to a, a family reunion down in South Georgia. And so Marietta and, and, and my father's wife drive in one vehicle, and he and I drive together for three hours by ourselves in another vehicle. And praise God, the Holy Spirit showed up. And there was restoration beyond what I could have ever hoped. Awesome. It was awesome. Second P, preparation. Preparation. Okay? In the Scripture, it's kind of interesting to me that, that what we see is that Jesus stands on the shore and He calls the boys. says, come on over. Peter swims over. But when Peter gets there to the beach... Jesus has already got breakfast on the, on the fire. So he's prepared to reconcile with Peter in a way that Peter can identify with. You see this? He is prepared. And, and, and Jesus is awesome. Jesus is always, always wanting to eat with, with his folks. And he's going to eat with us again soon. Isn't he? Amen. Yeah, we're going to eat with with Jesus. That's going to be awesome. We're going to be at his table. And so he's prepared to receive Peter. And in my case, you know, the preparation really, really, really involved just just prayer, kind of along, along the lines that I cited earlier. That is, I needed to pray for God to work on me to the point where I could approach my dad and at that point, the work was really already done. My heart was softened. We needed to do some of these other things, yeah. But the preparation was done. The groundwork was laid. The third P, price, price. Okay? Jesus did not make Peter pay a price for his forgiveness. Did he? Now, if I'm Jesus, Peter comes swimming over and crawls up on the beach. I'm like, yo, Peter, I told you. I told you. I told you what you were going to do. Didn't I? I, want, I would want to extract that price. Or at the very least, maybe what I would want to do is, hey, Peter, give it up. Give it up. I'm sorry, Jesus. Okay. Now we can get to forgiveness. He didn't do any of that. He didn't make Jesus or Peter pay a price. See, Jesus was walking in the mission that he was called to walk in in Isaiah 61. He came to heal the brokenhearted. And he knew Peter was brokenhearted, and he came to do exactly what he was doing. And in the case of my father, in my relationship with my father, let me tell you something, brothers and sisters. My dad was a wrecked man. 
a wrecked man. Think about it. To have to live with what he was living with, that was terrible. What a burden. And so my job with the Holy Spirit operating in me beyond what I could even understand, certainly beyond what I could do, was to make sure that I could that I do what I could do to heal him and heal his broken heart. Heal my own broken heart at the same time. Are you getting this? <clears throat> pride. Fourth P, pride. In any relationship, you, pride can, can play a role. Um, and what I find interesting in the passage that we read today is that as Jesus starts talking to, to Peter, he begins to address Peter as Simon, son of John. And what he's doing there is something that's very significant. You need to catch this. Simon. So what Jesus is doing is he's addressing that part of the Peter man that is prideful. If he was going to address the spirit man, he's going to call him Peter. But he's saying, Simon, he's speaking to the flesh. He's speaking to, to Peter's flesh. And a lot of the commentators would tell you, okay, well, he asked him, do you love me three times? Because that's how many times Peter denied him on the night of the... He was crucified. Probably. But I think that there's something else at work here as well, and that is this, that what if you look at the text closely, what we see is that Jesus begins to engage Peter, Simon, and he says, do you love me? And he keeps saying that until finally Simon says, Lord, you know all things. And at that point, Peter's pride is laid down. Whoa. Whoa. That's some good stuff right there. Peter's pride is laid down. And so now Jesus can move on and we can continue on in the restoration work. But when Peter gets exasperated and says, Lord, you know all things. It's the first time that really Peter has actually acknowledged this. Okay. Now, yeah. yeah. Now, let me say this about my situation. The biggest barrier that I had in regards to restoration of my relationship, my right relationship with my father, was pride. Because here's the thing, and here's what I thought, and here's what I claimed. If there was anybody, anybody, that could ever be justified for having an offense right here. Look what happened to me. Look what happened to me. Man, I could roll it out and I could talk to anybody in this room and they they go, oh, you are so right. Man, you are so right. And I'm like, yes, I am. I wouldn't talk to him either. I wouldn't have anything to do with him. You're so right. Where's the Jesus in that? Hello. Oh, my. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. There's no Jesus in that. And so I had to get beyond that. No price. No pride. Understanding that Jesus wants me to walk in a right relationship with my own earthly father. Fifth P, promotion, promotion. Let me tell you something. A reconciled, right relationship is always, always, always stronger than the relationship that existed before. Whoa. Are you following me? Peter, after being reconciled with Jesus, and yes, filled with the Holy Spirit, no doubt about it, Peter is able to do what he was unable to do on the night that Jesus was crucified. 
Peter is going to receive the charge that Jesus gave him. And he's going to walk in it. You're going to be bound. You're going to be dragged. You're going to be led where you don't want to go. But the reconciled relationship that existed was more powerful than the relationship that existed before. The relationship that I have with my father is more powerful than the relationship I had with him before we were reconciled. You know, I, I, I look at, I look at um, married couples, and, and, and I'll talk about my marriage. Man, you know, if Marietta and I were to ever fight, <laughs> she's Italian. Whoa. <laughs> I love you. So anyway, if we, if we were to ever fight, and then we get to a point of forgiveness, man, that is awesome. I love that feeling. And think about it. Don't you love the feeling of forgiveness that comes when you're restored into a relationship with somebody that you love? So powerful. And I look at married couples that have been buried for four or five decades, and I go, Man, that is a powerful relationship because what they have done is they've walked through this reconciliation into a right relationship so often that there is a bond that will exist eternally awesome. It's awesome. Oh, yeah. 6P. Priority. Priority. Um, in our passage... Jesus makes it a priority to talk with Peter, okay? So even when Peter gets, and, and i got to tell you, I didn't preach this during the first message, but I also think that the reason that Jesus told the boys, yo, go up there to Galilee and I'll meet you up there, is so that he could take them to a point where they could be isolated and properly restored. We're going to be focused. We're going to be focused, Okay? So when we are walking towards the restoration of a, a right relationship, we need, to be, we need to make sure that we have an understanding that that is our priority. We need to give priority to that person that we're trying to reconcile with. Okay? One of the things that breaks my heart, when I, particularly in this day and age, this culture that we live in, and somebody needs to hear this, is that I, I watch people go into a restaurant, entire families, you know, and they sit down, and I'm like, Oh, man, that's awesome. They're going to break bread together. You know, look at that. Yeah, Lord. And they whip out their phones, and the kids start texting or surfing the net, and there's no dialogue there. Oh, my gosh. Come on. Brothers and sisters, can we prioritize each other when we're in relationship, please? Huh? In my case, in my case, you know, I have... I have to make it a priority now to stay in contact with my dad, okay? So, so what I do is there may not be anything going on, but I am always calling my father. Dad, how you doing? Man, Greg, I'm doing good. How are you? And it may only take a minute. But what he knows is that he is my priority when I make that call. I went to Atlanta. I wanted to make it a priority to go see the man while I was there. He knows that he's a priority for me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right, Shake. I'm going to end with really the seventh P, actually two P's. Past and present. Past and present. And here's, here's where we're going to go with this. In, in Isaiah 43, the Lord speaking says, I, even I, am a he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. I will not remember your sins. <clears throat> so how can God forget? How can God forget? He's God. Strange statement. 
Well, the truth of the matter is, is that he can't forget, but he chooses not to remember. Oh. So, when we walk in reconciliation, the only way that we're going to be able to get to reconciliation, to the restoration of a right relationship, is the is we have to choose not to remember those offenses. Just like God is not remembering our offenses. We started off with Jesus making a prayer to the Lord, and he says, Restore me to the glory that I had when I was with you, even before the world existed. And so I want to get to that last point, and I want to talk to you about being present. Being present. And some of you need to hear this this morning because you don't have an understanding of it. Not yet, but you're going to have an understanding when we get done. It's going to be cool. Jesus was the eternal God. But in order to relate to us who dwell in this place, in this time, he had to come as a man. And so he is present with us. So here's the thing. If you think that if you're walking in a place right now and you think that, man, yeah, I, I know Jesus. I know Jesus, but I have done something, and he can never forgive me. That's totally misguided. It's almost like Jesus is standing in front of you right now in this place, right now in this place. And let me tell you something. Not only does he exist back there, but he exists up here, too, in front of us. And so you need to catch this. You need to get your mind around this because this is important. Jesus is standing in front of you right now and he's saying, you know what? I love you and I'm forgiving you. And yeah, I know what you're going to do. But I forgive you. I forgive you. Just like Peter on the beach, Jesus was restoring that right relationship. So if you've been in a situation where, where you think that, yeah, I know Jesus and and I've never, but I've done something that he can never forgive me for. You are absolutely wrong. Get that out of your mind. Jesus is here. He is right now. He's standing in front of you right now. And he says, you know what? I love you. I forgive you. And then five minutes from now, he'll be standing in front of me again. Greg, I love you. I forgive you. And a year from now, Greg, I love you and I forgive you. And this is how Jesus works. And isn't it an awesome thing to think about? All of that stuff gone. And all that stuff gone. And I have a present Jesus to love me and to forgive me and to love you and to forgive you. Amen. Awesome. Now, some of you probably have listened to this message and you're, you're sitting there and you're going, wow, well, that doesn't apply to me, but you know what, I, 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 I do know that I need to be restored into a right relationship with one of my brothers or sisters in this community. And I'm going to pray that God would touch your heart and use this message to give you revelation on how that right relationship can be restored. Because we ought not walk in ought with any of us, as long as it's a right relationship. And then there's a final case, and that is this, that maybe you're here and this is the first time that you've heard about this Jesus that wants to love you and forgive you right now. You might be like that, you might be like me, the Tony Hawk of trikes. And you know, you've been going around and around, and you know where home is, but you think you're having too much fun to go there. Forget about it. Being with Jesus is so much funner. 
Oh, yeah. Being with Jesus is so much more exciting. But today is your day to come home and to declare that Jesus is standing in front of you and he loves you and he forgives you. I'm going to call the prayer ministry team up. If, if, if prayer ministry team would come forward, please. And as shake plays, if you're in one of those situations where you know, maybe maybe you think that Jesus knows what you did but can't forgive you, you're going to be restored today in the name of Jesus. Maybe you've never known Jesus and it's time to know Jesus. And I would tell you today's the day to know Jesus. And then maybe you just need some prayer for so that you can have the ability to walk in that restoration of relationship that you need and that God wants you to have. Come on up and receive prayer. So I'm going to turn the service back over to Pastor Allen as as Jake plays. Please come up. Please don't miss this opportunity to, to have that restoration that God wants you to have. This might be the only time that you can do it. It's powerful brothers and sisters you walk in this and you're going to walk in a Holy Ghost power like you've never known before I just want to thank you appreciate you listening to me bless you each and every one that's